remember as a kid having to go pretty much with hat in hand. It's an old phrase. You may not even remember that. I'll explain that in a minute. But with hat in hand meant to be, to be humble, apologetic, to say I'm sorry. I know not many people do that anymore. But I remember as a kid having to do that. And I had to do it because I had hurt somebody's feelings and identified, recognized I was aware that I had hurt somebody's feelings, and I hurt their feelings by something that I said. And I had to go to them and apologize. Why? Well, because I wanted to still be friends. I said something stupid and mean, but I still wanted to be friends. And so I had to go and apologize to them because I offended them. Now, see, that doesn't happen as much today because people take offense at things that Frankly, they don't make any sense to me why they would be offended at them. But they also don't react with, hey, I would appreciate an apology. No, instead what we get is a lawsuit or a defamation suit or straight up canceled. That's a whole different thing. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I can't tell you how many times, especially in my younger years, that I would say something that was just just bubbled up in me, jumped off the end of my tongue, the words are flying out there, and all of a sudden you realize that wasn't very nice. Now, I know I'm the only one ever who actually had to temper the speech that they use, the words that they've chosen, the, the way they react to people, the things that you find funny, perhaps right? Nobody else has ever had to say, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Well, see, here's how I know that that's wrong, because there's actually a song by Bill Ingvall called I Shoulda Shut Up. And he talks about some things in that song that really are illustrations of times that what's bubbling up inside you, what your natural response would be, what your human response would be, well, it's not very nice. It's not kind. I think it was Thumper's mother, the the mother rabbit in the movie Bambi that said, if you can't say something nice, then shut up. Well, she wouldn't use shut up because that wouldn't be nice. She would say, if you can't say something nice, say nothing at all. In fact, there's a whole little song that goes along with it. See, the the challenge that I find our our culture is in, and it's not just an American culture. I, I spent the last hour or so listening to a podcast, a British author uh, wrote a book called Freedom of Speech. And what he's talking about is not necessarily whether or not there's a constitutional right to freedom of speech. Uh, America has the most profound uh, and most deliberately articulated freedom of speech clause in any constitution in the world. And it's a very deliberate thing because we know that censorship or suppression of speech leads to tyranny. We only know this because historically it has been the fact, the case. But see, our freedom of speech in America and around the world is under attack culturally. There have been a lot of people who've risen up and said, I'm offended by what you said, therefore you have no right to speak. I'm offended by what you said, and therefore you should be suppressed. You can't use that word. You can't speak in that tone. You can't talk to me at all. And if you do, you might get arrested. 
In fact, I'll post it later today. The only way I can get it is a screen grab, and I'll share the entire uh, conversation as well between the journalist from an organization called Reason and the author of this book. But early on in their conversation, about three minutes in, they talk about the idea that there's a digital billboard in the UK, and it says, to be offensive is an offense. Let that settle in for a minute. That's a big statement. To be offensive is an offense. Here's what that legally means. If you hurt somebody's feelings by something you say, you could be a criminal. Yeah. They go on in this same conversation to talk about the fact that the police in the UK are currently debating. Some of them are already acting, but many are debating in the training of the police department to whether or not they should handle violent non-crime based on speech. And you just got to sort through the linguistic gymnastics that creates a sentence like violent non-crime. How can it be violent if there is no crime there? How can it be violent and not be a crime? If it's a non-crime, how can it be violent? I'm having a hard time getting just through the linguistics of that sentence of violent non-crime. But here's what they mean by it. You've said something that someone else took offense to. That's the nutshell. Here's the caveat. You don't have to know that they've taken offense to it. In fact, you don't have to know that what you said in front of them didn't apply to them, but bothered them anyway. In fact, it's very much the case that you could find yourself under investigation for a violent non-crime of hate speech, having said something that was overheard by someone who took offense for someone who wasn't even present. Based on one of five different things, I'll let you watch the video clip when I share it later. These five things are some very absolute and some very ambiguous, but the one key word in all five, all five of them say, this condition, i.e. disability, race, sexual orientation, etc., etc., or perceived their sexual identity or perceived sexual identity, their religious affiliation or their perceived religious affiliation, their race or their perceived race. So if you were to make a comment that might be offensive to someone in any of those five categories just by their perception or someone else's perception that they might take offense, then you could be investigated and at minimum, it will be documented, it will be on your permanent record that you have a habit of or have been caught in the act of non-crime based on your thoughts based on your expression. Now, I know that the easy solution to this is if you can't say something nice, say something at all, say nothing at all. It's the say nothing at all part that really concerns me. We all have a, a guaranteed freedom of speech to a certain, a certain extent. I remember being a kid on the playground. I remember I was on the playground many, many years ago when corporal punishment was still used in the classroom by gym teachers and principals. When it wasn't a timeout and mommy didn't come to the defense of your back-talking a teacher with a civil rights attorney, mom came usually and asked for the paddle after the teacher was done to reinforce the idea that you will not disrespect or disobey 
those who are in authority over you, you will show some modicum of respect. But having said that, there was a day that if you backtalked a gym teacher, you might get a, a, a swat with a paddle, you might get 400 laps until you puke in your own shoes, but you might find that if you smart mouth someone who's an upperclassman, you're just going to punch in the nose and that's the end of it. Well, that's not the case anymore. Uh, that same comment today might land you in court. That same comment today won't get you a punch in the nose. It'll get the rest of your career ended. Yeah, there, there are young people today who face the threat going through college that if they say the wrong thing to a classmate, that all of the money they've spent on their career to be an attorney or to be a physician is just gone. Yes, it's a fact. There are physicians today with 10, 20 years of practice who over something they said that was perceived and misperceived, was perceived to be offensive to someone else, was taken out of context, redistributed around the world through social media, and by the time they got back home from their deployment for whatever task they were doing, they had lost their certification to practice in the field. They were licensed and veteran practitioners of, over something that was perceived that they said, even though it was taken out of context. My friends, that's not a freedom of speech. There's a place where there's freedom of speech and you're free but suppressed. And there's a place where there's freedom of speech but there are consequences for what you say. And when the consequences look more like suppression than they look like reaction, we're running into a place where the freedom of speech is under threat. But leaders need to know Sometimes, you just got to put on your big boy panties, your big girl panties, and let people speak their piece. I've said this before. I love the way Simon Sinek says it. The greatest skill of a leader is to be able to walk into the room and shut up and just listen. Don't start the meeting with your opinion. Don't start the meeting with your ideas, your brainstorm, your notions. Don't start the meeting as if you're the only one who has ideas. Sit down, close your mouth, open your ears, and listen to the people on your team. Give them the right to speak. Give them the right to speak even if it offends you. Even if you feel like they're embarrassing you. Even if you feel like what they're saying about you is wrong or mischaracterized. Take it all in. Sort through it. Ask yourself honestly, are they right? Do I need to change? Is it something that I've said or done that's, that's inappropriate? But at the same time, we need to understand that suppression and consequences are completely different. Controlling the way someone speaks, what they say, is an entirely different thing than making sure that there's a reward system and a justice system behind what they say. That, I think, is what's killing our culture right now. We've lost that balance between what is freedom of speech facing suppression and what is freedom of speech facing the consequences. If what you say is offensive and you get punched in the nose for it, you should take that as a lesson learned and learn to shut your mouth or not say things like that. And maybe it's an indicator that the things that you think need to be revised. But for everyone to be told the best thing for you to do is to say nothing because you might offend somebody and it would cost you your lawsuit or it would cost you your career or it would cost you your reputation, maybe even your marriage and your place to live, that's a whole different kind of a thing. If there are consequences for what you say that are immediate and they're an attitude adjustment, maybe you need to take your lumps, take a new assessment of yourself and what you think 
and the words that actually make it out of your mouth and move on. If you're the person that finds yourself perpetually offended or walking around with a wind sail in the air looking for the wind of direction for today's offense to maybe even find a way that you can be offended for somebody who's not even present, if that's you, then you also need an attitude adjustment. If you're the person looking to be offended at every turn, always looking for the opportunity to take offense, always looking to defend someone who's not there, who's not offended, but you're going to be offended for them. If that's you, then you definitely need an attitude adjustment because your preconceived notion is that the freedom of speech only goes so far as your feelings. That makes your feelings not a right, but a privilege. And that, my friends, is a problem. As a leader, we should know the difference between that freedom of speech that is being suppressed and that freedom of speech that has consequences. As a leader, it is our job to monitor our speech, but also to help others become aware of when they might have crossed the line without completely suppressing their ability to express themselves. This is a tough conundrum. I know it is. I also know that young people today, and when I say young people, I mean teenagers today are being raised up in a culture entirely different than what I was raised up in. Their understanding of free speech and the vitality of it and the absolute necessity of it is completely different. The worldview, the ideas politically that are shaping our culture today are not the same ones that I grew up with, and I get that. But I will challenge you with this. Take some time to sit down face-to-face -face with people. Ask yourself honestly, if I were sitting across the table from the, from the Rock, for an example, or from Brock Lesnar, would I have the same guts to say the kinds of vile, offensive things that have been said on Twitter? If I were sitting down face-to-face, -face, would my brain-mouth filter change what I have to say? Has my keyboard warrior mentality allowed me to speak things that are untrue, unfair, unsafe, and should have been filtered by my own brain? I have a feeling when you sit down face-to-face -face with someone, just seeing the pain on their face when you say something hurtful will help you to moderate what you have to say. It will also help you to hear the immediate reply not filtered through everything social media has to offer. I challenge you as a leader to do that and do it soon. Do it with people of all ages in your organization. It is a critical time that we face when freedom of speech is being removed and it's being pecked away at by those who need it most. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.